you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 11 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am Bob Chichinsky, as always here with my good friend Dog Bark 24. How are you doing this week, Dog? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Doing good. Thanks, man. You actually asked how I'm doing this week. That's cool. Um, this week, we also have a Super awesome surprise special guest for you guys, the host of the very awesome Elder Scrolls Lorecast, Robots or Tom, as he always says. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, me too. Why don't you give a little bit about what you do, all the awesome things to the people who might not know you? Well, mostly right now, I'm um, spending a lot of time with my uh, nine-year-old. Uh, but that's not, not really answering your question while well, we're stuck in the house at home <laughs> during qu- quarantine. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I'm most known for is uh, doing podcasts and running the Robots Radio Podcast Network. So uh, that's probably a little bit more topical to the, the question that you would ask. Um, so, yeah, I do the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. I do the Fallout Lorecast. I'm part of the Fallout Hub show. I've dabbled in a bunch of other shows and I also run the network. So, yeah. That's mostly what I'm known for. Lots of hats there that you wear, sir. Yeah, I'm <laughs> currently wearing like several actual physical hats as well. It helps me remember all of my responsibilities. It's like wearing a, you know, it's like tying a, a string around your ring and or like finger, you know, in order to remember. To remember. Like, yeah, that you have something to do. I just put on lots of different hats. And then as I knock stuff off, like my list, I take a hat off. And then once my head is, you know, hatless, I know I'm done for the day. Wow. And that's a, that's a daily routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a real bummer if you don't get everything done, because then you have to go to sleep with hats on, which is kind of weird. Dang. Well, I hope you would try to keep it down to like at least three hats by bedtime. You know? Yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's keep a it reasonable. way to sleep. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. All right. So we brought robots on this week to give you guys uh, some something fun to listen to. We're going to delve into his... Uh, mind a bit and how he plays Elder Scrolls online the way that he likes to go through stuff and some of the stuff he's done throughout the game and we're also going to talk a little bit of uh lore kind of stuff with him since that's uh his forte but first we're going to get through just kind of uh our basic Tamriel news and our PVP updates and uh robots you know you could feel free to chime in if you so see a fit all right, we'll do. So this week we are going straight into the Jesters Festival. If you're hearing this episode the day it comes out, you are living it now. It is Jesters Festival time. Yay, happy. So go get double XP. It lasts until April 2nd, 10 a.m. And get those levels up. You can also get your event tickets every day. And there's going to be a new pet that you could build which is pretty awesome because it's the pig that it's part of the um, Ebonheart Jester quest. So if you've done that quest, I mean, I don't want to spoil something that happens every year for you, but (laughs) (laughs) you could get a cool pig from it. So that's cool. The pig uh, quest is pretty cool. 
It is cool. You know, you know my favorite part of the Jester uh, stuff every year? Huh. The um, Jester running animation. <laughs> the they can get like yeah, the personality. personality, the personality, but specifically the way he runs. So, okay, so there's the personality, and then there's the way he runs where he like kicks up his heels. But, but if you play with a controller, and I know you guys do because you're on PS4, and I play with a controller on PC, if you just nudge the controller a little bit so he walks slowly, he does this like jaunty slow motion saunter. It's like motion. a strut for sure. He kind of <laughs> struts, but in like really slow motion in a way that nobody would ever walk. <laughs> <laughs> and i love it that it's the best walk for i sure. love that when i'm waiting for something to start like a, let's say i'm doing like a battlegrounds or something you know everyone's just kind of like hanging out waiting for the timer to count down mm-hmm. i slowly strut around my teammates <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a power perfect. move that, that is it that's the best way to do anything and the gesture's personality is again going to be available so if you guys want to strut around like robots <laughs> yeah do the robot strut <laughs> There you go. That's our new dance. I'm going to write a song. I'm going to write a hip hop song called The Robot Strut. Dude, you got to get the guild on PC on April Fool's Day, just all strutting down. Doing the robot strut. There we go. That'll be the music music video for, man, I got to figure this out now. I got to write a song. People are going to hold me to this. You got some work to do, man. You got a week. You'll be okay. 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 I I have faith. Put on the hat, man. It's just another one. Oh, crap. Okay. I found another hat. It is now on my head. Yeah, I hope it's um, a jester one and the very on theme. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) So uh, there's also some awesome recipes you could get. Make sure you guys are looking out for Dubious Cameron Throne, which is a great food for stand builds. It gives you the stand recov that you're going to be looking for. Yes. And uh, the food is actually a drink because you can use it with... uh... With Bone Pirates. Yeah, Bone Pirate, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the probably best things about Dubious Cameron Throne, especially since Bone Pirate is the recovery set. It's going to give you a huge boost to Stam Recov. So if you're trying to go into PvP, that is, you could pair Bone Pirates with Dubious and you could slap on any damage stamina set and you're going to feel pretty good in there probably. Bone Pirates is also the name of my favorite rum. Really? No, but it should be. <laughs> there you go man now you have something else that you need to work on <laughs> i'm full of ideas i'm you really are <laughs> yeah you need a bad idea just come to me i've got it there you go i like it i like it so dogged why don't you uh tell them what we did this week with our end game dungeon group all right we uh completed the moon hunter keep hard mode and that was pretty tough but compared to ice reach it was not as tough at all in like comparison. Yeah, going backwards from <laughs> Ice Reach to Moon Hunter was like a good idea, I think, because it really made Moon Hunter like, oh, okay, this is still hard, but not Ice Reach hard. Yeah, and then after we switched our CP, which for uh, Ice Reach we had all the spell resistance stuff. So when you came into Moonhunter Keep with all spell resistance stuff, you died a lot because all that's like physical stuff, bleeds, stuff that your spell resistance doesn't really protect you against. So switching CP really helped us out as well. Yeah, for the hard mode. And we're still still going for no death. That Trying to no death that dungeon is punishing, man. We are dying from freaking ads more than anything. Yeah, especially the ones that 
the Spriggans that turn us into the Skeevers, that's a pretty tough one. It's a tough one. It's It kills our tank, and he's very sad. It's not very often that you see Graham get frustrated by a mechanic. Just also makes us giggle, but, you know, he doesn't know that. <laughs> so also, during these... um crazy times this weekend we were doing these end game things every chance we could because we have this very unfortunate and weird problem going on on xbox where eso plus is not registering like that you have it if you've already paid for it and as you can imagine if you have eso plus that is a problem because a you don't have all your dlc b you probably have a very full bank that you are now no longer able to really access at all because anything you take out can't go back in and you can't put anything in in the first place and not to mention craft bags etc so that they're working on it and they have put out in the forums that they realize it's a problem and i think they're saying that it's mainly a, a issue with microsoft so they're trying to get that fixed so if it's happening to you you're not crazy. It's happening to all of us. And yeah, it does suck, but they're fixing it. And um, one thing that we found is holding your power button till the Xbox turns all the way off, a little soft reset, give it a couple minutes, bring it back on. That has worked like 60% of the time. So that's about as good as we can hope for. Dogged had a pretty interesting idea that they could have done and it maybe could still do in the future to help out. So what they could have done is, like, activated, like, you know how they do the ESO Plus free weekend sometimes? Like, from a business standpoint, that would be a really good idea to do because you're uh, pleasing your customers that already have the ESO Plus subscription when they're probably frustrated that they don't have it right now, even though it's understandable with all the craziness stuff out, out with all the craziness stuff happening in the world right now. <laughs> It sounded like there was uh, some <laughs> some some wacky childhood pranks going on in the background there. <laughs> Either that or one of the Indiana cows got loose. <laughs> <laughs> so um so some thoughts on this from like a tech standpoint. It seems mm-hmm. like they're they're pointing the finger at Microsoft. That probably means that there's something going on with connecting through the Microsoft servers to verify that your account is in fact uh eso plus and not just it, it seems like it probably defaults to just standard and then if it can connect to the right server i don't know back end it can then confirm that you are a plus member and then it, it states that for your for your login so that, that that would be my guess is there's something disconnecting there and i'm curious i don't know how they set it up in the background when they give everyone the free week that's or what yeah that's what i was thinking too like even if they turned it on for everyone yeah. i don't know that it would still it may not register across right so that's that's one definitely a uh devil's advocate scenario to that but yeah but i don't know i uh, maybe maybe right. they, it maybe that they, they skip the verification and they just enable it at the local level somehow i you know through a patch um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how that's currently set up. So I don't actually work for for, for them or <laughs> or actually an IT person, at least on that level. So, yeah, it's cool that they're at least kind of putting something out about it. It took them a bit, but I'll, I'll give them the uh, benefit of the doubt that they were just hoping to get it fixed before having to say anything. Oh, that's cool. 
So we've uh, kind of got you guys through the week of Tamriel, especially what we've been going through on Xbox. Now, as always, we want to bring you guys the scores of Greyhost, the most important faction battle going on at all times in Cyrodiil. Whether you're in there or not, people are dying for your faction. It's important. Murders happening everywhere. Everywhere. The Dark Brotherhood loves it in there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on PCNA, they are coming to a close, actually. They have just a few hours left at the time we're recording this. 14 hours. So, it's going to be coming down to it. And it looks like EP is probably going to go away with it. They're sitting at 100k right now in the lead. All Mary Dominion in second with 86k. And the Daggerfall Covenant in third with 84k. So, unfortunately, Daggerfall is in last. But that is okay again because Xbox NA, we are picking them up for the Covenant. Leading with 55k. All Mary Dominion in second again with 34k. And Ebonheart Pact bringing it up in third right behind them with 33k so it's a close battle between second and third as it is on pc but the leaders have kind of run away with it and on console we don't have much longer left i believe it's about seven days so dog why don't you give them the xbox scores over on the eu side of things first up we have ep with 49k and then in second place, we have AD with 41K. And then in last place is DC with the 37K points. Nice. Very nice. So DC and last again, man. That's That hurts. AD has really stepped it up. They're in second on like all of them. That's maybe the first time. But they're not in second on PS4 that once again, Lotus of Doom has dutifully brought us the scores as he is so nice to do every week this week dc is leading there as well with 41k but the competition is very close behind it's tight over there so dc in first with 41k evan hart in second with 40k and ad right behind them with 39k and yeah it's very tight the competition on ps4 is definitely been the closest pretty much every time we've reported so i would say they have some really good serial battles going on over there so as always we wanted to take this middle portion of our episode to remind you all which it's very easy to do this week because we have the founding member right here of the robots radio podcast network that we are a part of and you could go to robotsradio.net find not only our show but plenty of other awesome shows. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. 
Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of 2, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. All right. Now, we have the man himself. Well, I guess you're a man, right? You're also a robot. <laughs> yeah, some people think I might be a synth. There's a, there's a rumor going around on the Discord. <laughs> There you go. That sounds about right. I was going to go cyborg, but a synth definitely could be your thing. Yeah, but if I'm a synth, then I have to just deny it. I have to be like, no, I'm not a synth. I'm a human. But then that's exactly what I would say if I was a human, too. So <laughs> I don't know. This argument is getting too convincing now. I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so other than being a synth, how have you been, man? I know you were at PAX East recently doing all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go back to PAX East. Uh, got to go up there as part of the ensemble cast of the Chad of Fallout 76 story podcast, which is also on the network. If you guys are into Fallout stuff at all, you don't have to be in Fallout, into Fallout 76 to enjoy the show because it's, it's very much about Fallout stuff. And uh, it's like a storyline thing. It's like a, think of it as like an audio drama with like, I don't know, South Park humor, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and it's very funny and it makes makes fun of the idea of like being stuck in a game and, and the kinds of things that happen to the person or characters. And they're like, why, why do I die and come back to life? What's what's this all about? Um, but it's it's a fun show. Anyway, uh, they got invited up to the Bethesda Game Days up in Boston a few weeks ago and uh, got to perform live on stage. And. As part of that, got in behind the scenes and got to meet people like Pete Hines and some of the other Bethesda people. The, the ESO uh, team was up there, um, people like uh, Finn and Gina, um, uh, Rich Lambert. They were all kind of hanging out as well. So got to see those guys again after seeing them in Vegas a few weeks before that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, came back, uh, and then within three days was down with the flu. Now, whether it was coronavirus or not, I mean, we were just starting to see, uh, the number of, uh, uh, I guess people who have it kind of start to creep up in the U S at the time. But I think that's because we didn't have enough testing and I didn't have any of the like, like chest cold symptoms that mm -hmm. a lot of people who get like the severe version of it, it just felt like a really bad flu. Um, so I was, I was knocked out for like six days of just like, uh, you know, like body aches and all sorts of terribleness. Uh, so yeah, there's not many, uh, not many weeks that you miss an episode. Yeah, so I, it's really I did miss an episode. Uh, yeah, I kind of did the next week's a little bit early of the Elder Scrolls lore cast in order to try to make up for it a little bit. But yeah, I couldn't talk very well. It was one of those like, well, if I put out an episode <laughs> this week, one, I can't think straight. 
two, my voice is going to sound like garbage. And even the episode <laughs> I was able to put out once, once I you know got done, it's probably not the best episode I've ever done. But it was good. I was well, thanks. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was like, like the impetus was there because I was just like, well, I need to put something out. So I'm just gonna. I'm going to do what I can, but yeah, my brain was super foggy. I mean, there was there, one of those days, I, I swear I swept, I swept, I slept for, I don't know, 20 hours in a day, one of those days. And oh my gosh. just, yeah, it was, I was just knocked. I quarantined myself in like the extra bedroom upstairs and nobody could come in. <laughs> it was, every time I touched a doorknob or anything, I like wiped it down with hand sanitizer because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what I had, you know, you know right? yeah, didn't exactly. want my family to get it. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun, uh, but I'm I got better. Um, I'm feeling anew. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, fortunately, so uh, got some new episodes out. Got the most recent episode of the Fallout Lorecast out today, and we'll be recording the Elder Scrolls Lorecast for this week uh, tomorrow. And I have a very special guest on that episode coming up too. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. Sweet, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mostly what I've been up to other than, um, you know, being with the family all kind of locked indoors. Uh, my son is on, was on spring break last week and now he's just take, doing school remotely. So I'm helping him with that. My wife has moved into my office so she can continue working. Um, but that means I have less personal space for like, you know, doing all of the things that I normally do and just being like, I'm inspired to record right now. And it's like, well, I got to schedule that around her meetings and things. So yeah, it's a little different, um, but I'm making do, I'm making do. That's cool, man. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm glad that, uh, you came out of your <laughs> fluness and, uh, are delivering content again and yeah, PAX East looked like a great time. I know you got to get on stage with the Chad Fallout 76 guys and I wish that, uh, you would have got on stage for the, uh, trivia game too i would have loved yeah. to see you uh, yeah some of your guesses and some of those things yeah those um the people those were tough. I, I know yeah lotus was on there and i i know from talking to him that that was scheduled like well in advance so oh okay, okay. it was one of those things and and he lives in the area so it was like yeah easy was, to, he's an easy lockdown for yeah, sure he, he's an easy you know he's one. gonna be around right right <laughs> but yeah in, in any any of those future episodes or episodes or events <laughs> I'm, I use podcasting <laughs> language instead of other language sometimes. And I'm like, ah, crap. I do You're this like, too much. Oh, shoot. I'm not in front of a microphone right now. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not in are. front of a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get on like conference calls for my like regular job. <laughs> oh my God. And sometimes we'll do it through Slack, which means I'm on my computer at home and I've got my regular mic, micro, like the mic setup. Every, everything's all just kind of set up all the time. So I'm here in the same mode I would be if I was recording a podcast, but I'm doing like a, you know, a call with a client and I have to keep myself from saying, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of podcasting, I don't want to go too much into uh, all the podcasting crazy stuff that I'm sure you've done, but we did bring robots on because he does do all kinds of lore and stuff and, runs this awesome network that he invited us to be a part of so you know we're the twinkle in his eye of course he's yes you know. yes best show <laughs> on the network there you go exactly <laughs> number one show so um as far as robots radio network goes like what what was the 
reason that got you thinking, I want to start a podcast network on top of these podcasts I'm doing. Yeah, right. You're already doing a lot of work and have a full-time job. Let's just add more to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I was uh, about five months into the Fallout Lorecast, about three and a half months into the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This was like May last year. Um, and had already reached out to a number of other podcasters and guested on their shows and had them guest on my show. And um, a lot of them were these indie podcasters. I mean, a lot of us are just kind of doing this because it's something we love to do. We want to be part of a community. We want to create content and get feedback on that content. We, you know, creators by heart, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, what's the best way to keep it growing the viewership? Like, how do I keep getting word of this out? How do I market it? And one of the key ways to do that in podcasting is guesting and having people guest on your show. But I was like, you know, if we were all just kind of banded together, if I just got the people that I know are doing good shows and just said, Hey, why don't we just get together, form a network and promote each other's stuff. And then, and then because we've kind of created this official organization around us, then we can brand it. People can understand what the brand is. If they find one show on the network and they go, oh, this is a good quality show. I really like this. I really like the way they're doing this show, the kinds of things they talk about, the personalities. And then that show reps another show, you know, and says, hey, you should go listen to these guys over here. Then there's kind of this understanding that like you're getting good quality in one space. So you're going to get good quality in the other space as well. So it creates this uh, synergy between all the shows. and. And I think that's very, very important for uh, people getting into podcasting now, because if you started 10, 13 years ago, when podcasting was really starting to become a thing people talked about, then if you were doing a video game podcast back then, you were kind of the only thing in that space. So people just kind of found you by default. Today, there's a lot of competition, so it's a lot harder to get uh, discovered this discoverability of podcasts is a lot more difficult than it used to be. So uh -huh. bringing, bringing people together to, to really support each other was, was the main idea behind that. That's awesome, man. And, uh, I always thought it was a really cool idea when I was just a listener of your podcasts. So it helped me find a bunch of cool podcasts. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the other thing I, I discovered in looking for other shows. Um, there's a bunch of good Elder Scrolls podcasts, of course, but, you know, sometimes you want to find other shows and, and just kind of going through the list and uh, not to, I don't know, not to be a bummer, but there's so many shows that are just kind of mediocre, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't really stand out from all the other shows. And, and I'm thinking to myself as I as I listened through each of these shows going, why? why would I choose to listen to this one as opposed to this one? Because so many of them put forth the personalities of the people first and the content yeah. second. And that's great if you already know who they are and you already have a reason to want to listen to them. But if you don't really have a bond with those people yet, it takes a while to build that up. So you need to put the content first. So like you guys putting forward um, the news and uh, tips about, you know, PVP and, and like when you come to your show, people know what to expect and then the more they listen to you, the more they start to like you and they start to identify with, with you as people. And then that becomes a continual reason to keep tuning in. Um, so I've, I've always looked at it from that perspective, which is kind of a flip. Um, and if you don't mind, I, I'm actually uh, going to uh, <laughs> uh, rep something I'm, I'm working on. Um, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. So one of the things I've been thinking about with all this stuff, I've, you know, we dabbled in a show called The Podcast Professor. I've put some YouTube content around tips for people starting their own podcasts. And it's something that I'll, I'm going to get back to. It's not going to be a regular show, but it's going to be the kind of thing that as I have more information I want to put into that feed, I will do so. Um, but in working on that, I'm actually in the process of writing a, an ebook that will have basically, I mean, I'm shooting for, I don't know, 40, 50 pages of stuff to really lay out specifically for people who want to start video game podcasts, what you need to be thinking about, what you need to do and, and how you need to do it in order to launch it, you know, with the right foot forward and to really get it out there and, and be successful from the beginning, because I think it's really important to do that from the beginning. And then also, if you already have a show, but you're struggling to grow it and get more, more listeners, um, ways to do that as well. So it's something that I'm putting together. So you can get the tips and stuff if, if anybody's interested and in who's listening and starting their own podcast. You can get some tips and stuff on our Robots Radio YouTube and the Podcast Professor um, feed for the podcast, for that podcast. But there's going to be more coming. So that's kind of exciting. It's a big project I've been working on. Dang, that's awesome, man. And I can definitely vouch for the knowledge that's going to be put forth in that because the podcast professor YouTube videos and kind of podcast thing is what actually helped me and dog a lot in starting our podcast and what we it actually helped us bring a level of professionalism to our extremely noob production over here so <laughs> yeah and what's what's cool about what you guys are doing we were just talking numbers on some of the shows um you're at the 11th episode and i'm not going to re reveal your numbers because that's up for you guys to do but the number of listeners that you get in the first week is like more than double the average podcast already wow so and, you know, I, I know from your perspective, you're going, well, it, it would be great to have more people listening to our show. Right. <laughs> but right. but that just it just goes to show that, like, there's the average, which is, you know, mediocre. And then there's you, you put in a certain amount of effort and, and really work on things and build up some connections and, and do that kind of stuff. And it really does pay off. And that creates a foundation that you can keep growing from. Yeah, definitely. So, so, so uh, thank you, man. Yeah, don't please don't grow our head any bigger because now you're I, just thinking of your last episode of the eldest girl Lorecast, where your head was going to grow so big that <laughs> you couldn't fit through the door. <laughs> so. I, I, uh, I, I considered deleting that and I'm being like, well, maybe people are thinking I'm going to be like, I'm being playfully serious about being all about myself. You know, some people, People, you don't never, you never know how people are going to interpret stuff. They're like robots. Uh, I is, was robots are so full of themselves. Oh yeah, I was giggling the whole time that you were trying to back up <laughs> how not much of a douche you were trying to be. So. <laughs> yeah, and then I find that funny too because the 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 this backstepping, the like wheeling backwards of like, I don't know. I think that's funny humor to to put that out there. But again, I like there's even that consideration of like, well, you, because you tried to backstep from it, proves that it's true. You know, like there's going to be people. Who are, I'm just like, oh god. But yeah, anyway, you know, you get the whole internet and everybody's responses to things. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Very awesome. So now I want to move into some ESO kind of stuff because that is what we really want to drive out of people who come on our show. Is uh, As a fan of yours, I would 
love to hear how you play Elder Scrolls. So I'm going to toss it to Dogged for a bit and let him ask some of the questions. And uh, if I hear anything super awesome, I'll jump into. I feel like I feel like you guys just pulled out your revolvers and are like, dance, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to use revolvers, but. <laughs> so what do you want to know? All right. So. At what point did you start playing ESO? Did you like beta, post Wintariel, or? Um, if I recall correctly, it was within like the first month of launch. I think I picked it up at launch. And um, my wife and I both picked it up because uh, we enjoy playing games together. She, uh, I believe she was already playing World of Warcraft for a bit before that. So she'd, she'd experienced MMOs. And I was like, hey, there's Elder Scrolls MMO. It's going to be even cooler than World of Warcraft. And she was like, okay, we'll give it a try. And um, in traditionally my style, I think I bounced off it within like a month and a half because I just, I like to just go from one game to the next and some other things launched. And I was like, I'm going to go play this now. And then kind of fell off of it because it felt at the time like a, yeah, like a very World of Warcraft inspired Elder Scrolls MMO with a very limited amount of, items and creatures and i think there was only like three mounts you could get at the time and then like within a few months they they at first it was like just horses i think and then they released like some big cat that you could ride on and then everybody had a big cat for a little while you know it was like that's this doesn't feel like a whole world of stuff this feels like like (laughs) just very limited right so um yeah so originally i jumped in back then didn't even get to max level. I think I got to level 30 something with my Nightblade. And then I waited a number of years. Uh, one Tamriel came out, piqued my interest, but I didn't jump back in. But definitely got my attention. And I was like, this might be the thing that really makes this work for me. Uh, compared, and really breaks it away from something like the, the World of Warcraft formula. And then waited until I think it was about two and a half years ago, if I recall, when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to jump back in. Um, and I had not played in years and I had no idea where my Nightblade was. And with all the changes, if the equipment that my Nightblade had, what the abilities I had slotted were, if I was even going to be able to survive logging in and whatever was going to attack me immediately because I was out in the middle of some area. I had no, I had no clear memory of the map or how to travel from one place to another. Um, it was, it was very much like just diving back into a brand new game that somebody else, it felt like somebody else had played and left you in the middle of, and then you had to just figure it out. (laughs) And I was like, all right, let's just figure it out. So that was that was a big uphill struggle with with that character initially, but eventually I was able to upgrade some items and um, kind of respect my character a little bit. And you know, some of the abilities and things had changed; like it was very different. Um, and I was able to get that going. And then my Nightblade is still my main character. And eventually, hit you know max level and uh, created some alts and tried some other builds and and you know dove into podcasts and. YouTube videos that helped me learn more about the things I didn't know about. Um, and then from that point on, it was pretty hooked. I mean, I've, there's definitely been months I haven't played, um, because I've been doing other things, but, uh, if I do go away for a few months, I always come back. I always come back and then dig into more content or wait for like the next big release and then dive into that, that sort of thing. 
That's so cool. I had no idea that you started playing with uh, your wife. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and I've been trying to get her to play it some more again, but she's uh, she's more committed to World of Warcraft and some other games. In fact, she <laughs> just started War- World of Warcraft back for the first time in like, I don't know, two years or something. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm in isolation. Perfect time. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of it. Actually, no, it was the first time since uh, the launch of the last expansion, which is about a year and a half ago almost. Um, so, yeah, so she's been doing that. And, and her whole thing is she loves collecting stuff. And she's like, oh, I already have so many things collected in this game. I should just finish collecting all the things here or at least keep keep collecting the things here. And I'm like, yeah, but if you jump into Elder Scrolls with me, there's a whole bunch of other things you can collect. <laughs> there's so many things to collect. The list and she's ends. like, yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's the same adding to the same list of things. And I'm like, well, whatever. All right. <laughs> As a collector myself, I, I know the struggle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's the kind of person who, if she plays a game like uh, like a standard Elder Scrolls game, like uh, Skyrim, she can't walk through a room without just like grabbing everything that's loose, you know? And then she's constantly yeah. over-encumbered. <laughs> yeah, that's why I couldn't play Oblivion when I first started playing that like two years ago, because in Skyrim, I could pick up everything and walk really slow for like an hour to oh, my yeah. house. Oh, man, you actually, <laughs> wow, that's commitment. <laughs> Yeah. That is commitment, dude. Yep, That's I had the boat pass it wherever I, I strung it up. I could walk faster and then use the uh, speed shout so that I could travel faster that way, too. Oh my God. Wow. He has a system. <laughs> wow. Yep. So because I'm a PC player, I, I dealt with it for like the first several hundred hours of just like, uh, I'm on, uh, uh, okay, drop the dragon bones because they're really freaking heavy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then just, first. right. And then just fast travel somewhere, sell my crap. Um, but then eventually I just added the console command that just gives you like infinite bag space. <laughs> and then that, that works <laughs> so much easier. You're like, wow, this is really effective. I just pick up whatever I want. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. We live that console life. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite role to do inside of ESO? Uh, like, uh, role in like, uh, tank DPS healer. Yeah. Um, I enjoy tanking a lot, except for being responsible for like a new dungeon when I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So, because everyone will follow the tank and everyone expects the tank to be the one guy who definitely knows the mechanics. So that can be tricky. Like I like I like tanking because you can get in uh, dungeons quicker, right? You can just queue up and then within just a few minutes, boom, it pops. Um, And I also like the mechanic of like rounding up the enemies and getting them, taunting them and keeping them facing a certain direction. And then, you know, kind of being the key component in the mechanics of the fight. I like that. That feels like a good responsibility rather than just, you know, making sure I'm doing my rotations and then dodging out of circles, you know, like I feel like DPS is cool, but at some point it's just do rotations, dodge out of circles, go to the important thing you need to do, do rotations, dodge out of circles, go to the next important thing. Um, tanking feels way more uh, focused on like the enemy and being like right up front. Um, but yeah, but like sometimes I'll do like pledges cause I haven't done every dungeon on like veteran or I don't know that I've even done every dungeon yet because sometimes oh. you just end up doing a lot of the same dungeons. It's um, true. Yeah, because a lot of them just get re-queued. Um, 
but or I haven't done enough. I haven't done all the dungeons enough to have memorized everything that needs to happen in each of them. So sometimes you end up with like, well, I'll just give veteran random a shot, and then you end up in some dungeon that you you did like one time two months ago, and you're like, oh, I think I remember what I'm supposed to do, and then you're you're the tank, and so of course everybody expects you to know it, and then you you know it creates <laughs> a a difficult uh, social situation <laughs> sometimes. There is definitely pressure on tanks to know things, but hey, most plenty of time I queue for a random normal dungeon and we get a DPS tank anyway. So yeah, <laughs> at least you're a real tank. Right, right. I enjoy DPS too. It just depends on the character I'm playing. Um, my my main is way more built for uh, like environmental combat um, and uh, questing quickly like tearing through things, but I'm also very uh, easy to kill. So I'm not the best to bring into a dungeon because if I get like one or two bad hits, I can just go down really quickly. Um, but it's my other, my other more dungeoneering builds are m- much more tanky. What about healing? Have you tried it? Tried healing. Um, I don't have a build that's really good at it yet. So I'm, I don't have a strong healer. Uh, because most of my most of my alts were focused on uh, tanking and DPS, so I've dabbled in it a little bit. I need to I need to level like a full level healer in order to really focus on it. Nice, it's it's an interesting one too. It's probably more you'd probably enjoy it more than DPS, but that's cool. That I'd never pictured robots as the tank. <laughs> <laughs> So, lore-wise, what is your favorite race to play inside of the Elder Scrolls? Um, lore-wise, I know mechanics-wise, I enjoy Khajiit because I enjoy uh, being very sneaky, and um, and if I do stream, because I, I do stream on occasion, I haven't been doing it as much as as usual, but uh, I, I like to read the dialogue in the Khajiit voice <laughs> and change everything <laughs> from I to this one. This one thinks this is a good idea, you know, and and. Uh, playing with that so that's a lot of fun but lore wise that's an interesting question uh that's tough i don't know that i have a favorite like from a lore perspective i don't know that i have a favorite race i mean every race has their like benefits and their drawbacks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um but i do like the beast races i like i like khajiit and i like argonians and i like that argonians are just weird i like that they you know have this weird connection to the history and that, that that's kind of otherworldly compared to all the other stuff going on in Tamriel. Um, and that they're, you know, lizard people. I think that's kind of a cool distinction. You know, it's not elves who think they're cooler than everyone else or, you know, manly men who come from the North, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, I tend to lead to each of those. I also like that the, uh, the Khajiit seem to be clever and underestimated among the other races. I think that's, kind of a cool uh lore perspective to come from and i love the lore of like the beast races that we unfortunately don't get to see like yeah. especially like the little mothy that is like fox people that would be so cool right yeah the fox people that yeah there's a bunch of other beast races that did exist or exist on other continents maybe you know the things like that yeah, or the imga really cool. who you know they're they're chilling somewhere right right or or was it just a racist uh, phrase that the high elves used to describe men? The Bretons. Right. <laughs> They're not the Bretons, the Bosmer. 
Right, the Bosmer or or the man races. That's true. Yeah, They're like we we saw these ape people, <laughs> <laughs> and they tried to act like us, but you know they can't. Right. They can't pull right. it off. They may have been just like racist, you know, um, because we know they are. <laughs> you well, know? yeah, like, that's they make that very clear. Yeah, and then the bird people that were supposedly in the middle of Cyrodiil. Dude, that would be on? so crazy to learn more about them. I know how little. Lore- or was it was it just Argonians with feathers? And they were like, oh, they're Ooh. birds. You know, yeah. they do have that kind of feathered aesthetic in their attire. Right. And it could have been more prominent back then. Who knows? And they often wear, have feathers on their head and other places. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like dinosaurs evolved into birds. So, you know, That's true. maybe they were just some sort of uh, type of Argonian that just kind of died off. Oh, man, dude. Now you're going to have me diving through USPL line. <laughs> All right. So, do you prefer PVE or PVP, and why? So, I've I'm almost always a PVE player before a PVP player, and um, I think it has to do with the way the gameplay works. I'm I like PVP in some games um, more than PVE, but uh, for when it's when it comes to the Elder Scrolls, I really enjoy. Uh, working my way through a zone, uh, the quest lines, the characters, you know, the voiced protagonists or not protagonists, but the voiced uh, NPCs you come across and, you know, hearing their, their plights and the ridiculous things they're getting into, um, or even just some of the ones you pass by and they talk about ridiculous crap, you know, like that kind of stuff. I, I like being in the world and being able to, to like absorb that and to kind of be a tourist. I, I enjoy going from one zone to the next and just feeling how a zone feels different. Um, and, and the same with dungeons, I enjoy working with a group towards a goal and, um, exploring and feeling something new. And I think that's a big impetus with me when it comes to playing through a game or, or the reason why I jump from one game to another game so often is that I always want to be seeing new stuff. So when it comes to PVP, oftentimes, whether you're doing a battleground for the hundredth time or you're doing Cyrodiil for the hundredth time, You've probably, once you've played it enough, you've captured that same flag however many times against, you know, a sorcerer, a necromancer, and a nightblade, you know, or you've, you know, sieged that one keep or defended your keep from the enemy X amount of times. And sure, it plays out differently every time, but it doesn't feel substantially different. If that makes sense, like the, um, the world you're in hasn't changed. The setting hasn't changed. The feeling of the situation isn't super different than it was the last time you were in that kind of situation. Um, so th- I think that's why I prefer that. And this is one of those things that, you know, like the older you get, the more you start to try to really understand yourself. Because this is one of those weird things about humans is that we're kind of a mystery to ourselves until we figure ourselves out, which is super weird when you think about it. But we can go into that some other time. All right. <laughs> That's cool, though. I I could assume I assumed it was going to be PVE because I know you haven't dabbled too much in the PVP of ESA, but yeah, I'm I'm glad we could confirm it. And one yeah. day, one day, I'll have a good enough character to drag you into Cyrodiil. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely did it during the the event, uh, the last mm-hmm. event that happened. And but I I also because I don't do it enough, I haven't really built out a character to be specced right for it. Um, yeah. And that's it's part of the the her the hill 
And the awesome thing to me is that especially it makes it just like a very cohesive game is like, which I'm sure other MMOs do too, but you have like a build you want to do for a PVP and like a lot of it will be like, okay, we'll go grind this dungeon or go grind this like set for these dolmens. Like it brings you back into the PVE to come get your gear and come get it improved and then go back into Cyrodiil and do the, you know, all kinds of crazy fun stuff you want to do. So I've always really liked that about ESO. Yeah. It's nice how the two things uh, are complementary to each other. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to ask uh, the good robots about ESO before we move into some lore stuff real quick, dog? The good robots. <laughs> the good word of robots. How much of ESO have you completed? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I've done all of the main quests for all of the expansions, all of the main zones, except for some of the Aldmeri Dominion. Nice. Um, and Southern Elsewhere. I never didn't quite finish Southern Elsewhere yet. Uh, so I've done that. I've done a lot of side quests across all the everything. I've done all the quests in a number of places, like uh, most of the expansions. I've done all the side quests for. Uh, and most of the... Uh, my original starting zone was um, the uh, Ebonheart Pact. So um, with my first character. So I... I've gotten most of the side quests done in that part of the main continent as well. Um, so yeah, most of that stuff. And then also the clockwork city and also, uh, cold Harbor, except there's still some side quests left in cold Harbor, but I've done them all in clockwork city. So I think that covers most of it. Nice. So big on questing. I remember, uh, listening to when you were, I think it was around elsewhere when it was coming out last year in the Elder Scrolls archives. You're like, I'm going to do everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, you've I made good progress. That. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I, I'm a lot closer. I'm a lot closer. I, I would estimate that I'm probably, if I was to really, you know, buckle down and do like, I don't know, three hours a day of questing. I'm probably about two or three weeks away from finishing everything. So is there any like huge achievement or anything you've gone after and uh, gotten that, you know, you want to shout out? Uh, no, I'm not much of an achievement um, uh, guy. I, I like when things pop up and I'm just like, Oh, I got that thing. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's weird. Like my wife, I mentioned my wife before she, my wife, <laughs> I always think of Borat when I say that uh, she, she will pull up achievements and very specifically go after them in games. And that's something I've never done. I've never been like, Oh yeah, that thing, I should go do that. Cool. I kind of like the randomness of, of just like I played the game and these are the things that popped mm-hmm. uh, as achievements. Uh, and then there's other ones that I'm just like, yeah, I'm never going to grind that much in order to get that thing. That's not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of things that I've been doing. Like I've been going up after all those different monster trophies, and I think they have like a half of a percent to drop. So it's a oh, lot of yeah. just going after the same rotation over and over again, and it's kind of weird because like I haven't finished like a majority of like each zone story, but I've co- but I've done a majority of the monster trophies, and I've completed every achievement in Southern Elsewhere except for the uh, motif collection. So. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just anything that requires a certain amount of grinding and doing the same content over and over and over again, uh, is kind of automatically puts me off because that it's that tourist thing. Like 
I, I just mm-hmm. keep seeing the same stuff over and over and I feel like I'm not actually doing anything. Um, even though you are, it's just, it's this weird psychological like blockade in my brain. I could see how the questing is a good draw for you then, because it really, I mean, in ESO, the amount of zones we have now is just ridiculous. So it takes you through all of them and it's always a new story that all somehow cohesively fits still. Yeah. Yeah. And I like meeting the new characters. I like seeing how they build out characters. I like, I like when you come across some weird character in the corner of a map somewhere who's like, I don't know, got some goofy side quest that doesn't even make any sense. Um, but you know, because it's silly because it's just this, like some game designer was like, it'd be really funny if we had this happen here, you know, like I like that. Yeah. They're, the writing in the game is amazing, which also brings me into the lore of this series is amazing. And since we have Mr. Lorecast over here, we definitely have a couple of things here at the end. We wanted to bug you with some lore, not anything that's going to go crazy. But as I tried to think of some stuff to talk to you about the like the one thing that I came up with that I was like, man this is actually kind of cool to think about is that Elder Scrolls online at its core is an MMO. And I mean, they do certain things that are different than other MMOs and bring other things to the table, but generically it's still an MMO that has this awesome universe slapped onto it and all the awesome writing and all the special lore that goes along with that. And thinking about lore and thinking about the lore as it pertains to Elder Scrolls Online in-game in particular, it really got me thinking about how the lore kind of almost drives the game and it keeps all these things going and it keeps everything making sense. So I guess I wanted to ask you what you think about that, how you think the lore helps uh, ESO find success in the MMO genre and at what it really brings to it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the lore is a wonderful backdrop. Um, I think this is one of the things that uh, people discovered when they discovered the writings of somebody like J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something I discovered. Like, I, I remember reading The Hobbit in fifth grade. I picked up, we had to read a book, and I hated reading at the time. And it's not that I didn't read well. It was that I just, I felt like, the books that I could choose from were like written for babies. <laughs> Did you ever get that point when you were a child and you felt like everyone's talking down to me like I'm a child, right? Oh yeah. Everyone gets that to that point at some point in their childhood. I think probably like 10 years old. And I was like, I don't want to read a baby book. Um, you know, like, Oh, the, you know, the story about the deer and it's full, <laughs> you know, and it's like, eh, no, I'm not interested in, in a farm book. You know, like that's not fun. So I picked up the Hobbit and, you know, a book that was written in the early to mid 20th century by somebody who was from very distant, different culture than mine, you know, the Uh English culture and uh, used words like hither and thither. And there was this air of history and um, the place being lived in was immediately apparent when you, when you dive into the Hobbit, you know, the sense of like, okay, there are these different peoples, there's wizards, there's, you know, dragons, and everything is old and ancient and everybody talks about it. Like it's old and ancient and there's history around every corner and it makes the world feel absolutely lived in 
like the real world. And it, and once you delve into a book like that, you if you read a book that doesn't have that, it feels like it's missing something. It feels like the world started from the point the book just started. And that's just not the way interactions in the real world work. Everybody's constantly referring to things previous, um, bringing things back up. So having a game like this that already has a very fleshed out lore, fleshed out history, uh, and specifically in ESO, they're said it they said it specifically in the middle of the second era so there's a lot of stuff that happened before then and there's a lot of stuff that happened after then and there's characters that happened in the other stories that occurred or were in them or were referenced in the stories from all the other games that are alive and active in the world in the middle of the second era and you come across them and they reference things that came before that and there it just makes it, it creates a foundation. It creates a foundation and a color and a feeling. And um, I don't know. It, it makes it feel much more like a real place. Man, dude, that was <laughs> way too eloquently put for uh, <laughs> us asking that off the top of your head. That is a, uh, that's your degrees showing their uh, strength there. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you, dude, that it really gives you a feeling of something like so vast that you've put yourself into. And one thing I was thinking of, it's like any storyline that you go through, it's there is more deep lore. There is more you can read into why people acted certain ways towards other people, why um, anything honestly is happening. It's, it's crazy. And I remember like really starting, I think it was probably the lore seekers where I really started thinking about lore and then hearing your show. And then from your show, I found out about Arimetheus and written in uncertainty. I was like, man, this is crazy. And now even going back to other Elder Scrolls games, I can't even play them the same because I'm thinking about all this other crazy stuff and all this lore and everything I hear is like, I'm like, oh, this pertains to this or this guy's referencing this it's like oh my god yeah yeah you 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 learn about things like um you know who shore was and then you go back into skyrim and you notice that everybody says things like shore's bones you know and you're like right oh that's what they meant oh i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it really it really creates a you know a unified world with like characters that say things that make sense for who they are um rather than just kind of this vanilla default you know like it doesn't make sense to have a fantasy world where everybody speaks in language and slang from, you know, 21st century America, you know, that, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, they wouldn't do that. This is a completely different place with a different history. And, you know, sure, they have to speak English for us to understand them, but they, they can be using references to things that make sense in their world. And I know you're experiencing the same thing, too, right now, right, dog, trying to go back through Skyrim and Oblivion. Yes, like, uh, like when I first played Skyrim, like I didn't, I couldn't even tell you what a danger was. I thought I was just like, oh, it's a weird colored skin bandit, and that's pretty much all <laughs> what I all I thought of them. And you know, there's really no thought in between, like what I like what I was killing. It was like, oh, you're the bad guy. You need to die. Yeah, I I started with uh, Oblivion. I dabbled in Morrowind a little bit, but it didn't get very far. But then starting with Oblivion and then the Hellgates, well, the Hellgates, the uh, oblivion gates which 
felt like this was my point I was getting to. They felt like hell gates. You felt like you were going into this, <laughs> this like portal to yeah. hell. And then you came across these Daedra, which seemed kind of like demons. So for a while, that was my headcanon was that like, okay, these are just the equivalent of demons in this world, but they're not, they're kind of like that, but they're also distinctly different in their own ways. And that's really cool, you know, to find out that there's more to it than just what you would assume. Yeah. I know my first uh, Oblivion Portal clear was like an hour and a half long and it's like super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you would just have to rush through to the end in order to survive it. Spoiler alert, dog. There are many more Oblivion Gates. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ravats, we got a couple more, just a couple more questions. One. If you could go soup, because on the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, Robots is kind of a, he goes base level lore. He lays it out nice and like introduces you to topics so you could get interested and go down all these rabbit holes we're talking about pretty much. Now, if you could go super deep into one aspect of the lore on your show, you get your dream episode, just I'm going to spend this time going so deep into this one thing. What would it be, Robots? <laughs> um, I like, oh, I like taking uh, some of like the crazy theories about the nature of existence and the way the world works and then extrapolating where things might go in the future of the games. Um, so you can take things like uh, theories about the different continents outside of Tamriel being actually in the past or the future or being in different Kelpas, which are like uh, ages. They're not even ages of the world. They're like existences of reality <laughs> that are cyclical, if you think of it like that, right? So what happens in a Kelpa seems to be that the world is created. It exists for a certain amount of time and it is destroyed on a very simplistic level, kind of like um, certain uh, uh, Indian like uh, uh, beliefs, uh, Hindu beliefs specifically. They believe in these like cycles of time. Um, and to speculate on that and what ultimately is happening in this Kelpic cycle that we're in and where it's going to go with the future and the connection to things like the towers being important for holding the world together and that they have consistently been destroyed or turned off and where that's going to go in the future. And then what happens ultimately when the cycle ends, because I have a feeling we're getting closer and closer to that happening. Um, and then what, you know, like, let's say and this is just speculation, right? Uh-huh. Skyrim, you have you have. Well, so let's just go back to uh, so Morrowind. We'll just do the more recent ones. Morrowind, you have the Red Mountain and Lorcan's heart. So that gets turned off. Maybe that's a tower. Uh, Oblivion, you have the White Gold Tower that gets turned off with the um, the Red the, Diamond. Uh, the Red Diamond, right? Uh, in Skyrim, you have the Throat of the, the World and the Dragonborn. Maybe the Dragonborn is the is the stone for the tower. Maybe it's the, uh, graybeards, or maybe it's, I mean, there's a few other speculations, but that, let's say that gets turned off. So now you have, um, most likely what's going to happen in the next one is that they're going to go back to high rock and Hammerfell, And then you have the adamantine tower. And that was the oldest tower in 
Tamriel. It was the one that was already there when the elves arrived. And if that gets turned off, does reality fail? Do the, do the Thalmor complete their purpose of bringing themselves back into godhood by somehow destroying reality and, and mantling into gods or whatever their ultimate goal is, then this, there's lots of other ways that that could happen. But what happens if that happens? Or what happens even if just the tower gets turned off or gets destroyed in the war or something like that? Does reality end for this cycle? What happens then? Is there a new reality that starts? Do they restart a new Tamriel with new races and new situations, but maybe carries forward some things from the previous one because there's theories that like histories somehow come from a previous Kelpa, previous Kelpic cycle. So somehow maybe some of the races or characters or events or land masses or whatever can somehow jump Kelpas. I don't know. But like that kind of stuff is super interesting to me. The speculation of like, well, let's just take some of these theories of lore from the past and these other things and then extrapolate that into the future. And what, what does that mean for the future of this world? <laughs> I loved that whole spiel, dude, because <laughs> that's kind of like <laughs> the same stuff that really interests me, especially like it was already, I was like, man, I would really love this episode of the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And then he started talking about the towers. It's like, oh man, like <laughs> don't even get me started on the towers. I love that lore. That stuff is crazy interesting. So Yeah, yeah. And so cool. call out to Written Uncertainty. Aramithius goes over that stuff. Uh, in a lot, in a lot more detail, and a lot more, yeah, a lot more uh, meticulously than than I would do do it justice. Um, but <laughs> you know, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll drop references to some of that stuff every so often. But usually, I try to stay on on kind of the you know one hundred one, one hundred two level stuff. At least this at this point in the lore cast, and I'll continue to get deeper as we get through more and more topics. But the the point of my show is to take people kind of like a classroom uh, way through the concepts in order to get more and more specific and drilled down into different ideas and, and events and things like that. Yeah. And it works too, because like it really opens the gate, honestly, to this entire universe that I have always, every time you even mention like the deeper kind of stuff, I'm like, Oh, robots talking Kalpas. So that's kind of <laughs> cool to hear you talk about some of that stuff. And, uh, I would, uh, you know, pay to be a fly on the wall of you and Aramethius talking about towers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He comes from a very, um, uh, I don't know if there's, when you, when you talk like academics, you say like, he comes from the tradition of this thing, you know, like, yeah, but like right. if this is an actual academic pursuit, he comes from very much the tradition of like the, uh, Michael Kirkbride and, um, you know, the other people on the internet who have been stewing over this stuff for almost 20 years now and, yeah. and reading through all of those theories and then building upon those theories. Um, and I'm, newer to all of this at least on this kind of level than than they are so sometimes i pose questions from angles that aren't uh built into the things that they've already been discussing the way they've been discussing so sometimes i'll come at things sideways and he'll be like hmm well <laughs> i'll have to think about it a little bit like well maybe this then um and and my in going back and reading some of that material listening to his show and those kinds of things oftentimes i feel like uh, a lot of people are making assumptions about certain things being confirmed or 
or canon, even when they really aren't that strongly. Like just because you have three things pointing to, okay, this seems like the the way it is, doesn't mean that that's confirmed. It just means you have more supporting arguments. But that isn't always the case. That it means that 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 idea is going to be the one that's actually right once it shows up in a in a game or is confirmed by a developer or something like that. So, um, in in my estimation, there's a lot more fluctuation and potential for things to be different than a lot of the internet assumes them to be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure the game developers love uh, putting those kind of internet people to silence when they yeah. get stuff up. Yeah. And a lot of sources are, are not accurate. So, you know, just because you have say five sources that say that this thing could be the way it actually is. If, four of those sources are just inaccurate and one can be interpreted in a different way, then that completely throws that theory out, you know, with the bathwater. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So last question, as the lore guy, when you play Elder Scrolls, have you gotten your mages guild to 10 by going out and getting all the lore books? And do you actually read them when you play? (laughs) uh no i haven't gotten all the lore books uh i haven't found them all yet uh i try to pick them up whenever i'm near one um and i definitely have an add-on on the pc one that just shows you where things are on the map so so i can just kind of go find them when i'm nearby um but i haven't found them all yet uh and um usually i won't stop and read it when i pick it up um i usually save that for my research for the show because i can just go pick up and, and read whatever book you know, on, on the US, UESP.net or whatever right? Uh, when I'm doing my research. Um, unless it's, uh, I'm on stream and it seems really interesting to me in the moment to read it to the, to the people watching, or it's, I'm just playing by myself and it seems really interesting to me in the moment. I guess that's the same reason, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, Ooh, lore about trolls. What's this say? <laughs> you know, or whatever. That's awesome, man. I I kind of had a feeling, but I yeah, was like, you never it slows know. Down this the guy gameplay. could be going crazy. Yeah, yeah it slows down the gameplay too much. When I'm like, when I'm it just does. like, I'm chewing through these quests. I want to get through this zone. It, yeah. If I stopped and read every one, that's basically all I would do for the, you know. So the, safe the, to say, to play. You're like the rest of us, and you're like, pick it up. Like, oh, I'll read it later. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry, everyone listening who also does that, because I know that it's pretty much everyone. <laughs> we all do it. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Robots, for coming on the show, man. That was an awesome conversation and something we have been super looking forward to. And yeah, Dog, thanks for being here, as always. You know, I'd you know be nothing without you, of course. <laughs> so why don't you tell all the people listening where they could shout at us dogged and then we'll give robots a chance to tell people where they could shout at him. All right. You can find us on Twitter at red diamond cast. You can find a, you can also find us on Facebook at the red diamond courier. We have an Xbox killed of heirs of the red diamond. And then you can uh, join us through the robots radio discord on robotsradio.net. And if you hop in that discord, you will find all kinds of cool people and channels and things to talk about, including a space of our very own. And you can come bug us there. Also, if you 
want some red diamond courier swag there is our merch store link in the show notes accompanying this episode where you can also find links to our awesome music producer who created our intro and outro music for us daniel lisley he's a great guy go check him out so robots where can all these people you know come uh yell at your face <laughs> yell at my face on the internet <laughs> yeah, that's where yelling at faces happens especially t- especially <laughs> twitter, twitter. <laughs> i started laughing while i was trying to say twitter and then it just came out twi- to it um <clears throat> i need to drink in here so i can refresh my my pipes um yeah, I'm I'm on the internet. Uh, robotsradio.net is where you can find all the shows, like you guys mentioned. Uh, link to the Robots Radio Discord, where we have new people popping in every day, talking about all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you can find my podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Fallout Lorecast, the Fallout Hub, and soon to be some other new ones that I'm working on, but I can't reveal yet, uh, on all sorts of different podcatchers and stuff. Just search Elder Scrolls, and chances are... Um, Mine will be on the list. And other than that, uh, Twitter is at robots underscore radio. If you're just looking for me and kind of network stuff and my my thoughts on things um, or, you know, at ESO Lorecast for the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And then there's some other ones, too. Once you get on those pages that you will easily be able to find. So there you go. Very awesome, man. And I encourage everyone, if you haven't already checked out the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, it is very awesome, and if any of these lore topics intrigued you at all, Robots has an episode on it, probably, that you could go check out. So, yeah, check that out. And Dogged, what about you, man? All right. You can find me on Xbox at DogBark24. You can also find me at Twitter of at DogBark24. Uh, you can come play with me, and then we can go pull the entire dungeon and laugh after we ki- get Bob killed by a stone watcher in depths of malatar wow that was specific this week you really want me to die <laughs> <laughs> only by a stone watcher. not not like <laughs> well okay i guess thank you for being thoughtful in my <laughs> death and if you want to talk to me you can catch me on xbox bob chichinsky and everywhere else twitter twitch and esopc bob underscore chichinsky Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Robots and Dog, for being here. And you guys have a great weekend. Awesome. Anytime. Thanks for having me. See you guys next week. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. The hosts at Robots Radio get a lot of questions from people who are interested in starting their own podcasts about how they can start, how they can grow their audiences, how they can create good content, even what microphone to use and what software to use, things like that. Well, we're changing things up at Robots Roundtable to talk and share about the things that we've learned, the things that work and the things that don't. We're sharing with you our actual real-world experience. How can you launch a show like the Fallout Lorecast and get as many listeners as we did early on and rock it to the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts? How do you create a show in such a crowded marketplace as it is today as opposed to 10 years ago? We're getting together every week to share our answers with you. Just look up The Podcast Professor. 
a robots roundtable with the hosts from Robots Radio.